All right, guys, we're going to get started. Good morning. Uh, thank you, Jeff, and the worship team, really, for leading us so well this morning in worship. Uh, really, that was great. Thank you for that. Um, I'm kind of going to cut right to the chase today because of how well worship set us up. I don't, I don't want to sort of distract from that. So we're going to keep things rolling. Uh, I have the privilege of talking to you about Jesus today. Now, we've been talking about Jesus uh, through the lens of how he described himself. A lot of people have a lot of different opinions on Jesus, who he is, whether we should listen to him, follow him, all those things. We're going to look at what Jesus said about himself as someone who is intentional about what he said, and we believe that Jesus was intelligent, that the symbols he uses to describe himself were purposeful because he was trying to be clear. A mark of a good communicator or teacher is that they are clear, is that they are not leaving the audience confused. And so I want to talk about this statement that Jesus makes. It's in John 8, 12, and he says this. Jesus spoke to them again, I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in the darkness, but will have the light of life. So we're going to be talking about that statement and what it means. But I want to pray for us, and then we'll jump in to this morning. Uh, God, thank you for today. Um, thank you for the opportunity to remember you this morning. And God, I know that there are um, all sorts of things that we're bringing in this morning, things that we are aware of, um, things that we are doing everything to avoid and not address or not look at. And God, I don't know what you want to do this morning. I don't know um, how close you want us to get to those things. But I'm praying that you would help us to be open to you. God, I thank you that you love us. You love us enough to honor consent. That, guys, you don't push past those things, but you walk alongside us. Or you sit next to us. When we're ready to move, you'll move. But if we just need to sit with you, you're willing to just sit with us. So, God, wherever we, wherever we may be this morning, we give this time to you. Thank you. It's in Jesus. Let me pray. Everybody said amen. So when Jesus calls himself the light of the world, he's choosing a very specific symbol in order to create clarity. So he's choosing something everyone in the audience would have understood. So when he says it, he's being clear about how he's describing himself. So in Scripture, in the Bible, from the beginning in chapter 1, God is introduced as the source of light. The very first thing that's created is light. Genesis 1, it says, When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was complete chaos, and darkness covered the face of the deep. While a wind from God swept over the face of the waters, then God said, Let there be light. Light was the first created thing. It was a narrative they were familiar with. So when Jesus says, I'm the light of the world, he's speaking to a crowd that would have said, early on, he's comparing himself to God. Now, if we're going to grant Jesus that he's at least of average IQ, Jesus is aware that by comparing himself, calling himself the light of the world, he's putting himself at risk, not just of controversy, not just of being criticized, but he's heretical and blasphemous on the level of, by the end of John chapter 8, people are picking up stones to kill him with. We know that Jesus is crucified, but they're ready to kill him in chapter 8. And not like the evil rulers, not the evil religious leaders that we like to think about, 
Literally, the people in the crowd that were there listening were ready to kill him publicly without a trial. And yet Jesus chooses to describe himself this way. The context of this conversation is during this thing called the Feast of Shelters or Tabernacles. It's a Jewish tradition and holiday that's honored today. It was literally honored last week. Where they remember a time where God had set them free from Egypt and they followed God through the wilderness and through the desert. The way that they followed God through that desert was but a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Thousands of people have traveled to Jerusalem to remember this event where God was this light leading his people from slavery and into freedom. And Jesus shows up at this great celebration saying, you're here to celebrate God, the light who led you into freedom, and I'm that light. So it's not just like, oh, it's really sweet. It's a really kind way to describe himself. Jesus is being clear. I am the light, the light that you're here to celebrate, the light that's described in Exodus 13. Verse 21, it says, The Lord went in front of them in a pillar of cloud by day to lead them along the way and in a pillar of fire by night to give them light so that they might travel by day and by night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. I need you to grab hold of something or you're going to miss the rest of the message. So I just need you to take hold of this important part. God's presence shows up as a light. He leads them. He directs them. He's with them. Good. We like that. He leads the way through the day and through the night. He's present. But the presence of God, the light of God, did not remove them from the desert. The presence of God was there, leading them, and it did not leave them, and yet they were still in the desert, uncomfortable, living in tents, with food they didn't like. How do we know that it was uncomfortable and it was still the desert? Because they complained a lot. <laughs> and so we know then that the light didn't extinguish their discomfort. Now, why is that so important? Because I don't want you to leave here with the burden of this idea that if you know better, you're going to do better. That the light of God is God enlightening you so that you know some new stuff. And now that you know new stuff, things will be better. That you might accidentally equate the presence of God with the absence of tension or the absence of discomfort. Why is that dangerous? Because your life might be uncomfortable and full of tension this coming week. And if you have it in your head that that means that God's not present, you might be led to believe that God is never present because your life remains uncomfortable and full of tension. So the light and presence of God doesn't mean that they were removed from discomfort or really dependence. I... I get annoyed with myself about this. I just, it's part of me. I like to only do things that I'm good at. Or if I'm going to not be good at it, I can only tolerate so much of not being good at something. So when people want to play new sports and new games, it's like, yeah, let's play pickleball. But if I'm not good at pickleball in one or two tries, you know who's not playing pickleball next weekend? Your boy. 
because I expect to master it. I need to have a hold of it. I need to be better than average at it immediately or I don't want to because that says something about me and my personal worth. I'm giving you an insight into my own brokenness here. And in our spirituality, sometimes we think that if the light is present and with us, the discomfort will go away and eventually we'll get so good at it and spend so much time on the light and be so enlightened about who God is that the need to depend on God will sort of evaporate. We don't articulate it that way. But if after showing up and learning new things and going to enough Bible studies and memorizing enough scripture and giving enough and doing enough and serving enough, eventually... I will be so soaked in the light that I no longer need to depend on the light. It's like the light is training wheels until you become your own light. And you no longer need to depend on that nightlight. If you're a nightlight person, today is your day. I'm going to talk to you. I got some stories to share about nightlights today. So again, Jesus, John chapter 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. He presents himself as the light you can follow, a light that leads, and a light that never leaves. Some of us have an idea of God as light, which is good, but do we remember that the light cannot just lead the way, but the light doesn't leave? In Nehemiah, as God's people are returning to him, they remember this time in the desert. Nehemiah 9.12 says, You led our ancestors by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night so they could find their way. And you go on into verse 15. You gave them bread from heaven when they were hungry and water from the rock when they were thirsty. Again, Jesus calls himself these things. He calls himself the bread of life, the source of living water. And now he's calling himself the light. It says, you commanded them to go and take possession of the land you had sworn to give them. Verse 16, but our ancestors were proud and stubborn. They paid no attention to your commands. They refused to obey, did not remember the miracles that you had done for them. Instead, they became stubborn and appointed a leader to take them back to their slavery in Egypt. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry and rich in unfailing love. You did not abandon them. Even when they made an idol shaped like a calf and said, this is your God who brought you out of Egypt. They committed terrible blasphemies. Verse 19. Because of your great compassion, you did not abandon them in the wilderness. By day, the pillar of cloud did not fail to guide them on their path, nor the pillar of fire by night to shine on the way they were to take. You gave your good spirit to instruct them. You did not withhold your bread from their mouths, and you gave them water for their thirst. For 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness. They lacked nothing. Their clothes did not wear out, nor did their feet become swollen. When does the light shine on you? When you follow God well, when you remember to pray, when you study your Bible, when you worship with your hands in the air, when does the light shine? When you abstain from whatever habit it is that you're ashamed of. When you keep your thoughts clean, when you think all of the right things and you don't allow yourself to think the wrong things or want the wrong things. When does the light shine with you? 
Because we're tempted to believe that the light shines conditionally for God's people. And sometimes we're like, I'm afraid of the Old Testament because Old Testament God's kind of crazy. And he is, like Loki, I'm not. But, But this is Old Testament God. This isn't Jesus holding sheep over his shoulders, smiling, loving the kids. This is Old Testament God. And that light that led them never left them. Some of you guys love October because of Halloween. And some of you guys are good Christians. And you, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I've, some of you guys know this. I've told you this already. I've been a chicken my whole life just afraid of the dark at all times, afraid of costumes and stores. My mom had to have to lead me around and avoid like where the masks were. I don't watch scary commercials, like not none of that. Like hocus pocus is a little scary for me, okay? Like this is the level of chicken that I am and Jesus loves me, so it's okay. But I was afraid of the dark for a long time time as a kid needed a nightlight I would leave lights on in the house I'd get sent back to turn off those lights and when I would I would like reach for it turn it off and run into the closest room where there was a light it's not made up that is a hundred percent true and I remember trying to be sneaky about it and it's like bro you're 200 plus pounds you can't like sneakily run away in the house we hear you stomping away and so I was afraid of the dark for a long time. I'm not going to give you an age, but a long time, okay? And I graduated from like a nightlight or leaving lights on to leaving a TV on. So we had, me and my brother had a room, shared a bed, but I would frequently not sleep in that room because I was afraid of the dark. So I would sleep in the living room with the TV on, just Nick at night watching old I Love Lucy episodes until I fell asleep. But I was less afraid of the dark because I'd have to walk through a dark apartment to get to the living room because I couldn't wake up my mom and let her know that I was awake and turning on the TV, even though she probably knew. But I'd have to walk through the dark to turn on the light, proving that it wasn't really about the dark. It was more so about not being alone. Because there were voices, there was some talking, there was something happening. Consider that the light didn't just show up when they had somewhere to go, but it says that the light remained with them. So it wasn't like this pillar came down, hey guys, it's time to go, we're going, we're moving like a supervisor or a manager, but the light remained with them even when they were still in the same spot, when the camp hadn't moved. With all due respect to you, I can try to find a more complex way to say this, but at times there's some part of us that's still a child wanting to know not just that there's light, but that there's presence. That someone is with me. Jesus offers that. And as I got older, 
What was scary about the dark used to be, you know, Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger or, you know, those things, scary things, to fear of being alone. And then you get older, and at least for me, there was a fear of the darkness within me. The darkness was outside, and then I discovered there's a lot of darkness inside. And what do we do about that? That's a real question. What do you do about that darkness that you sense inside of you? John, when introducing Jesus at the very beginning in the first chapter before Jesus calls himself the light, describes Jesus this way. John 1, 4 through 5. The word, the word being Jesus, gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never Extinguish it. You, you read five different versions of John 1, verse 5, five different translations of it, and that word at the end is always going to change. You're not going to find five of the same. It says the darkness did not, this version says extinguish it. Another will say overcome it. Another will say comprehend it. The darkness could not comprehend it is the most accurate to the text. And it's this idea that the darkness could not contain the light. The darkness couldn't wrap its arms around the light and hold it in one place. The light kept breaking out and breaking free. If the darkness within me, the darkness within you, the darkness within us were to overcome the light, it would be the first time. I'm very, I have strong belief in my own darkness. You'd be surprised at how confident I am that my darkness is greater than God's light. Can we just own that we might be a little bit arrogant about our darkness? We got, you know, capital D darkness in, our, in us. And it's like, bro, if you just knew what I think about, if you just knew what I wanted to do, the thought I had about my wife, if you knew the thought that I had about the woman who's not my wife, if you knew about the temper tantrum that I had going on inside of me, if you knew what I screamed in my car when I was mad, if you knew what I was looking at, thinking about, did, if you knew what was said to me, validate all of that. And still, is your darkness the darkness that could overcome the light? Or have we come together as a community to say, Jesus was the light and the darkness could not overcome it. It could not extinguish it. It could not comprehend it. It could not contain it. It could not hold it. So when Jesus says, I am the light that brings life to the world, we have to make a decision. Is our darkness greater than the light? Or have we come together to say, this morning, I'm standing in the freaking dark. And stuff sucks. And you can fill in stuff with a better, more appropriate word. Stuff 
sucks. It's dark. It's the desert. We don't know where we're going. We don't know if we're ever going to get there. It's uncomfortable. The food here is crap. This is the worst. Let's go back to slavery. There were times that were better before this. Jesus is claiming to say, I'm the light that can lead you through this, and I'm the light that will never leave you in this. I didn't grow up in church, and so I don't have a Pentecostal background or a, I don't know what the opposite of that is, a boring background. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I never do this. But all week, literally all week, prepping for this, I felt like I'm going to be wrong if I don't. Some of you believe church is always about learning the next new thing. And I just have the strongest conviction that what's important about this morning is that someone remembers that God is not going to leave them in the desert. You don't have to tell me, hey, that's me. I, selfishly, I'm telling you that I have a strong conviction that this morning is not about learning anything new. It's about God saying, hey, you need to remember that leaving isn't what I do. It's never been me. I didn't leave them in the desert. I'm not going to leave you in the desert. The desert's also not going to evaporate. But I refuse to leave you in it. Whether you complain, whether you turn, whether you've worshipped other gods, I will not cease providing what you need. Because the light that we're all depending on isn't our light or our darkness. It's God's light that he's providing. Some of you are concerned that your light has gone out. Our relationship with God is not about your light. It is about his. So you can sit here. My candle has no wick. There's no wax left. I'm all out. That's okay because it was never about how bright you were going to shine. Can you this morning, as a community, can we lean in and say, God, will you be our light? Will you remind us that you don't leave us? We got to have a small group last Monday. We talked about Jesus being the source of life. And you know what I discovered talking to eight other people? Is sometimes Jesus is the source of life, and sometimes we feel like he's the source of seven other things. Guilt, shame, fear, insecurity, anxiety. This is why community is important. Because if you're someone feeling like, I feel like I'm anything but experiencing the light, then you need a community to be there with you and be that present light alongside you. So it's not about growing a small group. It really isn't. It's genuinely about, hey, if you feel like I'm in the desert alone, can you tap someone on the shoulder and say, hey, hey, can I come? Can we hang out? Can we have these conversations about Jesus? Because I need someone else to be the presence of the light in my life. Because right now, my light is out. And I ain't got it, and it's not coming. That's the invitation that we have. So can we step into that? I want to pray for us. I want to pray over you and for you. Um,
But I want to take a second. Would you just bow your heads? Close your eyes. I'm going to have you take two deep breaths for me. Do it together. We'll inhale. Hold it. Exhale. Empty lungs. Inhale. Hold it. We'll exhale. Let's do one more. Deep inhale. Hold it. We'll exhale. We'll hold it. Lord, across this room, we can feel like we're right next to you in your presence while others can feel isolated and removed and in the dark. But you said, you said you were the light. You said that if anyone would follow you, they'd never walk in darkness, but they'd have the light of life. And so God, we're seeking to hang on to your word to remember that you don't leave us in the desert, that you'll sit with us, that we have that hope in you. God, would you help us to be your light-bringing presence to one another? Would you help us to share what we have with one another, to share the hope that we have the strength that we have, the love that we have, the joy, whatever it is, God, would you make us one in you? Would your spirit do what only it can? And so we thank you, Lord. We love you. We worship you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.